In a world full of lies and deception, it takes courage to speak truth. In a nation half-bent on its own destruction, it takes honor to seek a return to glory. Join us in Cutting Through the Lies and Propaganda. It's time for Cutting Through the Chaos on the America Out Loud Network. Here is your host, Wallace Garneau. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cutting Through the Chaos on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Wallace Garneau, and we've got a great show for you today. In today's episode, I want to talk about a three separate topics, or three related topics, I should say. Uh, the first one is going to be Epstein the Spy. Uh, the second is going to be a company called Wangzhou. Uh, it's, it's spelled W-A-N-X-I-A-N-G. I actually, I, I think I gave it the pronounce correct, the correct pronunciation. I'm not 100% sure on that. So if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, I apologize. Uh, not Chinese, obviously. And the third one is going to be the implications of these on the American election of 2024. Going to be a huge effect. Other things are going to affect the election. So uh, we're going to talk about those three things and exactly how they are related. Uh, first off, I want to bring up an interesting point that I saw in an interview with Tucker Carlson and Brett Weinstein, the uh, evolutionary biologist. Uh, Brett Weinstein was talking primarily about the World Health Organization, but he's also somebody who has been in the orbit of Jeffrey Epstein. And he's been in the orbit of Jeffrey Epstein because Jeffrey Epstein, while not a scientist, was interested in science and hosted conferences and things like that related to science. And Brett Weinstein got to know Jeffrey Epstein, not real well, but got to be in his orbit at least a little bit as it pertained to Jeffrey Epstein's interest in science. Uh, Brett Weinstein had some very, very interesting things to say. The interview is mostly about the World Health Organization. Not going to get into that today. That's a topic unto itself. Uh, we'll do that at some point in the future, but we're not going to get into that today. Uh, but I do want to talk about some of the things that Dr. Brett Weinstein said specifically about Jeffrey Epstein in that interview. And there was something Megyn Kelly said on her podcast recently that was very, very interesting which a lot of people, I think, are probably speculating in the wrong direction around, but it's still, it's, it's worth mentioning that she said, and it's certainly, certainly newsworthy. Let's start with what Dr. Brett Weinstein, or Weinstein, said about Jeffrey Epstein, which is essentially that he is an asset of an intelligence service. Now, it makes a very compelling case here, and the evidence that I've thought for a long time that there was a possibility that he may be... <laughs> Excuse me. So he may be an asset of an intelligence service. Which intelligence service? Hard to speculate. Could be Mossad. It could be one of ours. You know, who knows? Really not that important. What's important are some of the things, the specific things surrounding Jeffrey Epstein's case, such as nobody really knows what he did for a living. People say that he was a mutual fund manager or a hedge fund manager, but there's really no evidence of that. At different times, he told people that he was a currency trader. Uh, he's given many financial, he's, he's said that he was a number of different financial things at a number of different times related to hedge funds and, and, and various other forms of investment, speculation, and what have you. But nobody really knows what he actually did for a living or how he got all the lavish wealth that he had. It's just, it's, it's, it's an enigma. It's an unknown. Well, what Dr. Brett Weinstein says is that he was actually an asset of uh, an intelligence agency whose job it was to get blackmail evidence or information, things, videotapes, you know, whatever, text messages, anything that could be used to blackmail very, very powerful individuals. 
So, for example, uh, he had obviously a, uh, obviously a pedophile ring. Uh, but his pedophile ring was a very, very specific... What he did with his pedophile ring... First of all, he had a very, very strong sexual appetite, according to employees, where he felt it was a physical need to have sex at least three times a day. So he would have these young girls, underage girls, brought in to give him massages and... Uh, and, and he would have sex at least three times a day. But it was far more than that. Through this, his network of these, these young girls, these underage girls, and also girls who were of age, what he would do, and I'm going to use Donald Trump as an example of this because he tried to do it with Donald Trump. Uh, and Donald Trump, obviously, having had some familiarity with Jeffrey Epstein earlier in their lives, early in, their, in uh, Epstein's career, there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not Trump was on the client list. Well, let's talk about that. Because uh, it's illustrative of exactly what it was that Epstein was doing. Now, what Epstein was doing with Trump and Bill Clinton and, and various others, David Copperfield, it looks like, Alan Dershowitz, it looks like, various others, large number of names. What he was doing, <clears throat> what he was doing is he was bringing them in and he was beginning to groom them to get them into his underage sex ring. I call it Lolita Express. He was trying to, to groom them to get them into Lolita Express where they would fly on the airplane and go down to his private island and, and all these, these nefarious activities. Uh, with Trump, what he did is he began hanging out with Trump. And over time, the girls that he would hang out with with Trump got younger and younger and younger in age. Never down below the age of consent. They were always above 18. But they were getting gradually younger. And Trump actually said at one point that Jeffrey Epstein likes his girls and some of them are a little bit young. At that point, he wasn't talking uh, about underage girls. He wasn't talking about pedophilia, but he was talking about girls that were on the lower end of, of, of legal, you know, 18-year-olds. At some point, Jeffrey Epstein at a Trump resort tried to pick up a massage therapist or somebody brought in his massage therapist, somebody was staying at the resort, whatever it was, and uh, she was underage. This got back to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump broke all associations with Jeffrey Epstein over it. He also barred Jeffrey Epstein, banned him for life from all Trump resorts. Uh, and when the FBI decided to investigate Jeffrey Epstein in the early 2000s, nobody wanted to help the FBI. Of course, Jeffrey Epstein had blackmail material on all kinds of people. Everybody in his client list, he had blackmail material on. Uh, but Trump did help. Trump talked to the FBI. He was very candid with the FBI about what he knew, not having actually been brought in to the underage girl part of Jeffrey Epstein's sexual uh, predilections, Trump didn't have anything. I don't know. I don't know how much he had to offer in terms of illegal activities, but he helped as much as he could with the FBI, telling them everything that he knew about Jeffrey Epstein and what he was doing. And uh, and that was the end of their association. So uh, that's what Jeffrey Epstein was doing: was he was trying to get you involved as a friend, try to get you involved sexually with with his, his associates, over-age associates, or of-age associates, rather. And then gradually he would bring the age down until he started getting you into compromising positions with underage women. And who knows what other kind of compromising uh, information he has or compromising data he has on, on the individuals that he, that he brought into his orbit. You know, he could have people snorting cocaine. He could have people shooting up heroin. You know, who knows what this guy's got? But he had stuff, and we know that he had stuff. Because when the FBI more recently arrested him, uh, when they were going through one of his houses, they actually found the safe where he stored all of the blackmail material. They got the safe open and 
Holy smokes, look at this. This looks like a big treasure trove of blackmail material. We've got CDs with people's names on them. We have envelopes that look like they may contain photographs. We have all of these different things. And it's not hard to believe that he would have all kinds of videos and things like that because he was bringing people to his island. He was bringing people to his homes. He was having sex and having other people have sex in areas he controlled where he could very easily have had cameras uh, surreptitiously placed uh, wherever, you know, he was all kinds of ways to get blackmail information on people. Uh, he also, in some cases, had orgies where perhaps he had cameras that he was using, you know, right out in the open. You know, who knows? Point is, he was getting compromising information on all of these important people. Dignitaries in the Middle East, uh, Prince Andrew in England, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, you know, all kinds of people. It was, it was everybody that he could, that had any power, any influence. If he could get compromising material on them, he did. So the FBI found the uh, blackmail safe. They photographed the blackmail safe, the interior, the exterior. Uh, they took photographs of the contents. They couldn't touch the contents because they didn't have a search warrant. All they could do was photograph what was in there. And more importantly, they couldn't take the contents because they didn't have a search warrant specifically for that. So all they could do was, was document without touching anything what was in there. What they could do was get a search warrant. Normally in a situation like this, what the FBI would do is they'd get in touch with the judge immediately. They would leave guards, they would leave FBI agents on the property to make sure nobody tampered with what they needed a search warrant to take. They would get the search warrant very, very quickly while making sure, again, that nobody touched the evidence, just photograph it and document what's there, and then they would confiscate it. So they would preserve a chain of custody, they would keep people there to make sure nobody took the evidence, and they would they would take it themselves uh, after securing as quickly as they could a search warrant. Interestingly, that's not what the FBI chose to do. Instead, what they chose to do is have all of the agents, they took everything that they had a right to take based on their search warrants, but they left the contents of the safe, they left the safe open. Okay, let that sink in. They left the safe open and they left. All of the FBI agents, they left. They left the house. They, they, they went off and, and, and began looking for a search warrant. Instead of fast-tracking it and getting a search warrant as quickly as they could, it actually took them four days to get a search warrant. So they came back four days later, and lo and behold, everything in the safe was gone. That sounds pretty crazy to me. Now, why would they do that? Why would they allow those materials to be taken? Well, it seems the only answer I can come up with, and this gets back to what Brett Weinstein was saying, and I don't know Jeffrey Epstein was a spy working for a security service. I don't have any way to prove that. I want to be very clear on that. I had told you that I would tell you what, uh, what is a fact and what is was somewhat speculative. Well, I think it's pretty safe to assume that he was, but I don't have any direct proof of that. All I have is circumstantial evidence, such as all of the information in the safe, the chain of custody being broken, the FBI leaving it there, and then it disappearing. The FBI was obviously working in conjunction with somebody uh, to allow them to take those materials. Uh, also, the specific circumstances surrounding his death. He supposedly hung himself with sheets. Well, the ligature marks don't look like they were made by sheets. They look like they were made by something more resembling, say, an electrical cord. Uh, there are... Uh, the, the way the body was treated. Normally, if the body is dead, and the coroner said that he was dead, or the autopsy, rather said that he'd been dead for at least two hours in his cell before anybody found him. Usually in a case like that where the body is dead and cold, not just usually, the policy they have, the procedures that they have, are to leave the body in the cell to allow uh, criminal uh, investigators to come in, look at it, photograph it, where it was found, and, and you know look for evidence, 
all that good stuff. You leave the clothes on. Basically, once you realize he's dead, you get out and you stay away until until investigators were able to come and uh, and look, you know, like CSI people. Well, that didn't happen. Instead, what they did is they took the body, they moved it to the medical facility in the in the prison. Uh, they stripped it and discarded the clothing that it was wearing, put him in a medical gown, and uh, he was actually photographed going into an ambulance. They were incubating him. In other words, they had one of those devices over the mouth and nose where the, where the, the press thing where you could, you, could, you could shove air into the lungs. Now, the guy at this point had been dead for hours, and they're, they're making it look like they're trying to shove air into his lungs. You know, all of that's very, very strange. It's all against protocol. Uh, they weren't supposed to do that. They destroyed a fair amount of evidence. Uh, and it is, it's all just very, very strange. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you would see you know, maybe in a Tom Clancy book or something. It's, it's not the kind of thing that you would expect to see from the FBI or from the prison system or from anything like that in real life. Well, then Megan Kelly made a statement in her podcast recently in which she said there was going to be lots of information on Jeffrey Epstein coming out over time, uh, over the next year, over this, this election year. And uh, she said we're actually going to hear at some point from Jeffrey Epstein directly. Now, a lot of people are taking that as meaning that maybe Jeffrey Epstein's still alive. That maybe the entire supposedly, supposed death of his was, is, is, is in fact a cover-up, that he, he was never actually killed, which would explain why they were incubating the body. Uh, I don't believe that I think Jeffrey Epstein is as dead as a doorknob. You know, I could be wrong on that. You know, I, I, I just don't, I don't know, but I, I don't think that he's alive. I think what what Megan Kelly is probably referring to is, is maybe some audio or video that he made before he died uh, that she is aware exists. Apparently, she's got contacts somewhere where she knows things that, that she's not allowed to release yet to the public. But it sounds like she may have some video or audio of Jeffrey Epstein that has not been heard publicly uh, that she says will probably come out sometime over the next year. But anyway, what seems pretty safe to say is that if Jeffrey Epstein was a member of some intelligence service, whether it was, or at least an asset of some intelligence service, whether American, Israeli, you know, English, whatever. It was, it was an asset of somebody. Uh, and it seems like it had to be somebody friendly because the FBI left the materials there for, I have to assume, an American intelligence service to take all those blackmail materials. Now, why is that important? That's important for a number of reasons. One is that it gives some information or some explanation as to why Jeffrey Epstein had to be killed. Well, he had to be killed for two reasons. The first one is that they didn't really have any right to hold him. I mean, think about it. The guy was working for our intelligence services. His job with the intelligence services, or somebody's intelligence service, I'm going to say ours. That's speculation. I have no way of knowing who's. Anyway, if I say ours, you know what I mean at this point. So he's working for an intelligence service. And uh, his job was to get blackmail information, to get things that could be used to blackmail rich, powerful politicians, businessmen, whatever. Just get blackmail stuff on anybody of any relevance or importance. And he was very good at it. He got a lot of blackmail materials and a lot of people. Broke a lot of laws in doing it. But here's the kicker. He was working for, for, for intelligence agencies. Now, if they were American intelligence agencies, then if he is arrested for that and tried for that, he can say that since he was working for the U.S. government, he was entrapped. Think about that for a minute. He may have been a victim of entrapment. Not to say he doesn't deserve to be a victim. The things this guy was doing were, were off the rails bad. I mean, I'm certainly not defending the guy. But if he was working for intelligence services, if they were American intelligence services, or arguably if he was working for a friendly intelligence service, even if it wasn't American, but the United States government knew about it, then you could make a pretty good case that the case against him was a case of entrapment and that he 
while he may have done a lot of illegal things, he could not be prosecuted for it. Well, they couldn't just let him go. Uh, he couldn't certainly... You would, he couldn't certainly make, a, make an entrapment case. They could not allow him to go to court and claim that he was entrapped. Uh, more importantly, though, they had the blackmail materials. It was, it was an, an intelligence service, and almost certainly an American intelligence service. It's possible that our intelligence service just told the FBI, leave that stuff there, then Mossad came again. You know, who knows? Who knows who specifically got it? But if it wasn't us, it was certainly us letting them get it, and I'm sure our people have access to it, whatever the case may be. Those blackmail materials were taken. Our intelligence agencies had to be a part of that, and uh, and those intelligence or those 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 blackmail uh, things, those the, the, the tapes, the the CDs, all of that blackmail material, that still got value. You know, they can blackmail all kinds of people with it, and uh, I think we have to be honest with ourselves on what to expect for the information that is going to come out from Jeffrey Epstein over the next year. Because I don't think we're going to see anything damning against anybody that our that our, our intelligence agencies don't want anything damning to come out on. So, for example, anything they have on Trump, I think, is going to come out. Uh, they've already released information on Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz apparently was involved in this pedophile ring. He says he was not. He says that the evidence is uh, it's mistaken identity. Uh, but there appears to be enough on, on Alan Dershowitz that it may not be mistaken identity. It may be that he's actually actually guilty of something. Well, he's also a prominent person on Fox News uh, that has been talking about the unconstitutionality of the court cases against Donald Trump, uh, about how all of the January 6th was not an insurrection, for example. According to the FBI, he's been very, very vocal on all of the things that our government is doing at the federal and state levels to try to take Trump out of the election by any means they can, the weaponizing of the Department of Justice, all of these sorts of things. Uh, and he's been very vocal about that and about how it's unconstitutional, about how it's illegal, about how much of a danger it is to our democracy, to our country as a whole. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, he's one of the few people that not only have, not only have smoke been released on, in other words, interesting information. And understand, the intelligence services, they know they have an interesting public. When the second batch of documents were released to the public, the website they were released to was actually taken down. It couldn't handle the web traffic. That's how much interest there is. So millions and millions of people are pouring through these documents. It's being, it's, it's, it's a huge number of people are, are interested in this. Virtually the entire country is interested in this. Everybody wants to know who's on the lists. Uh, but they can't tell us who's on the list because they can still blackmail those people. Uh, other than those that they want to expose for some reason. So uh, what they're going to do is they're going to give us a very, very slow feed of, for the most part, non-compromising information, such as Bill Clinton being named more than 50 times, but never with anything that could be used as an allegation, a criminal allegation against him. Now, the most we're going to get are things that make you go, hmm, remember the old song from the 80s? That's the most we're going to get from this, except for those people the intelligence services want to expose for one reason or another that were involved, such as Alan Dershowitz, who uh, his credibility now on Fox News as a, as, as a legal analyst, completely shot. So they have destroyed Alan Dershowitz's career based on this, or at least they probably will over time, and, uh, and that's, they have every reason to do so. He's no longer going to be on Fox News talking about how all of these activities uh, targeting Trump, trying to either weaken him in the election, take him out of the election, get him to run from jail, you know, all of these different things. Uh, 
he was one of the vocal, most vocal people against all of that, and a left-leaning guy. You know, this Alan Dershowitz is not a voice of the right, but as a legal scholar, he saw what was going on. He saw it was criminal. He saw it was corrupt. He was speaking out against it, and uh, and so yeah, they released him, and and some damning information on him. But don't expect that we're going to see damning information on Bill Clinton or or on anybody else that still has utility to our intelligence services as a target of blackmail of some kind. So that's what's going on there. Jeffrey Epstein was a, was almost certainly a spy. He created a treasure trove of blackmail materials that are now in the hands of the intelligence services. Uh, those materials still have a tremendous amount of value to our intelligence services. Uh, to anybody, really, who wants to control narratives or, or anything like that. You know, blackmailing rich and powerful people, all kinds of, of ways to utilize that. And, and that's what's happening. And, and as we get in a little further, we'll start talking about how that can affect the election. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is Wang Zhu. And again, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I think that's correct. W-A-N-X-I-A-N-G. Uh, this is a huge corporation in China. It started out as uh, a farmer opening a scrap metal company, a very small scrap metal company. Uh, at some point, he got the notice of a local Communist Party official, and uh, rather than bribing the local communist Chinese Communist Party official, he uh, actually brought him into the company so he could put him on the payroll and it aligned their interests where this Chinese Communist official could uh, could help the company and in doing so enrich not only the founder of Wangzhou but also himself. Over time, the company grew. Wangzhou actually, if you translate it directly into English, it's a uh, it's a, a unijoint. It stands for unijoint. And unijoints are, you know, they're used in cars, they're used in all kinds of vehicles and things. And that was their start, really, after scrap metal, when they started really getting big. Uh, it was making unijoints. Well, today it's into everything. Wangzhou is all over the world. It's a huge, huge, huge corporation. Uh, when the founder of the company died, that's now being run by his son, uh, he had an estimated net worth of $5 billion. Uh, Wangzhou is uh, it's got it's got Chinese communist officials all up and down its organization. Uh, it's got its hands in countries all over the world. Uh, it's got an American uh, subsidiary. Uh, it's got holdings all over the United States. It's just a huge corporation that's involved in everything. It's involved in defense. It's it's involved in everything. It's, a, it's one of the largest corporations on earth. Also one of the most corrupt organizations on earth, and also one of the least transparent organizations on earth. Uh, there was a United Nations group a few years ago, actually, that uh, did uh, a survey or an investigation where they listed out what the least transparent companies or corporations on Earth were. And Wangzhou was one of three organizations that had a perfectly bad score. They scored literally a zero. I don't know what the score went up to, 100 or whatever it was, but they scored a perfect zero. And by perfect, I don't mean perfectly transparent. I mean no transparency whatsoever. So they were one of the least transparent, most criminal, corrupt organizations on earth. With deep ties, again, into the Chinese Communist Party, also deep ties into American political families. Uh, Wang Zhu had uh, the first American politician of, of any report that, that definitely had contact with him at the presidential level was Prescott Bush. That would be H, George H.W. Bush's brother, George W. Bush's uncle, uh, and that's a pretty good indication that the Bushes, this is how they do things, by the way. They don't bring in George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. They don't bring in, uh, they, they don't bring in, uh, 
uh, the president of the United States, uh, Joe Biden. You know, they bring in Hunter Biden. They bring in Prescott Bush. They bring in family members. They bring in children. They bring in brothers. They bring in uncles. They bring in daughters. They bring in family members. And uh, when you bring a family member in, as we talked about last week, there's no disclosure. Until you bring whatever money you are paid back to the United States, you don't have to disclose what you got. You don't have to disclose where you got it. And if you tell you, if you don't bring it back to the United States, you don't even have to pay taxes on it. So you can set up an account, say, in Cyprus or multiple accounts, say, in Cyprus, in Switzerland, and other places, uh, some places in the Bahamas and other places where the privacy laws for the banking is, is very, very strong and where criminal organizations like to hide their money. You know, Russian oligarchs hide tons of money in in Cyprus, as do uh, some of the corrupt people in Ukraine. The Bidens reportedly have billions of dollars from Ukraine sitting in uh, in Cyprus. So that's where they hide the money. They hide it uh, overseas, and uh, we don't even know they have it. We don't know how much. We don't know where. They don't even have to declare it in their taxes until they actually bring it into the United States. And there are all kinds of ways to launder it before they do. So they're tied in very, very deeply to every single president we have had going back at least as far as George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, also tied in very, very deeply to the Daly family. You know, the corrupt family in, in New York, uh, three generations of mayors going back to the 1920s when the elder Richard Daly became mayor. Richard Daly goes all the way back to Al Capone, the senior Richard Daly. His son also called Richard Daly. Uh, he ran it until the 50s, and then his son Bill Daly took over Chicago as the mayor of Chicago. And just a completely corrupt family, complete corrupt ties. Chicago is just a den of, of criminal activity, of corrupt activity between government, the mafia, unions, you know, all the, all the, all the, all the usual players. Uh, and and the Barack, Barack Obama has ties into the Dalys. Uh, his wife worked for uh, for Bill Daly for a period of time. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, who then became mayor of, of uh, Chicago after being the chief of staff. Uh, of course, he, he worked for the Dailies, then became the mayor of Chicago. Bill Daly was, uh, was Barack Obama's first chief of staff. So the ties here between Obama and the Dailies run very, very deep. I don't know of any ties directly between the Obama family and Wang Zhu, but his ties with the Dailies are so tight, so deep, that, uh, you know, this, as I say, goes thick as thieves, that clearly... There was a tremendous amount of, of ties between between uh, the the Obama and uh, and and the Daly family and the Wangzhou company. Uh, the Clintons, very very deep ties between the Clintons and uh, and the Wangzhou company. So you know they've been dealing wheeling and dealing with with American politicians at the local, state, and and federal level uh, for at least 35, 40 years, and uh, they've been tying up not. They've been tying up all of our well, all of our officials. I mean, they're they're tying up everybody that they can, just like Jeffrey Epstein did. If you had any power, Jeffrey Epstein would try to to get you into his circle, and 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 then he would he would try to to gradually reduce the age of of the girls that uh, that that you were fooling around with until they were underage. He'd get compromising materials, uh, and at that point, he or or the people he was was working with owned you. And it's the same thing with Wang Jing. You know, Wang Jing is stealing Defense Department secrets. They're stealing, they're stealing, uh, they're stealing nuclear secrets. They're stealing business secrets. Uh, they're stealing everything that they can, and they're doing so with the help of American businesses, of American politicians, of people in office in the United States. Uh, they're doing it with Democrats and Republicans alike. They're doing it with with just about everybody, except for one person. And that's what we're going to open up with on the second part of the show, 
We are going to talk about the one person that we can very, and I shouldn't say one person. I'm sure there are other politicians that aren't tied to Wang Zheng. You know, I could list Rand Paul. I could list, I could list probably lots of people that, that very clearly do not have ties with Wang Zheng. I would say, uh, I would say uh, a lot of public, they, they don't have everybody, but they have a lot of politicians in their back pocket, and uh, there's no way to know exactly who. Uh, we can, there's some that we can say absolutely, but I mean, you know, how many don't we know about? So, you know, the point is that there was one prominent politician that they don't have in their back pocket. And, of course, that politician is none other than Donald Trump. Now, it's winter in Michigan. For us Michiganders, that means sniffles, coughs, and cold weather. That's doubly true for me as my next-door neighbor is starting is a starting strength conditioning coach, and I work out in his garage. I like weight training, but cardiovascular is also important. It's something that is not terribly easy to do this time of year, or at least not outdoors. In the summer, my wife and I like to bike on all the great trails around where we live, and year-round we play close attention to all of the great products our sponsors advertise in the network. So let's take a quick break to let our sponsors talk about some of these products. You'll want to stay tuned, as we still have a lot to discuss in the second half of the show. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health, to reducing the appearance of wrinkles, and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud for 25% off. 
expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. In the first half of the show, we talked about how uh, we talked about Epstein is a spy. We talked about a company named Wang Jing. In this side, I want to segue into the election with these two things and other factors mean for the election of 2024. Before I do, though, I want to get to one more thing on Wang Zhu. Wang Zhu also has strong business ties in North Korea. Now, that should sound kind of strange because, of course, we've got the strongest sanctions on North Korea that we have in any country on Earth. And uh, you would think that a company that has strong business ties in the United States would be barred from doing business in North Korea, because that's why the sanctions work. If you do business with the United States, then you cannot do business in North Korea. Well, the way Jew does is, is they get an exception to that. And it's easy for them to get an exception to that because they are in bed with both Chinese and American politicians up and down the board. So they just ask. They say, you know, you're making money here. So so we can make more money in North Korea based upon the fact that we're the only company they can do business with. So this would be very lucrative for us. And it would be very lucrative for you too, Mr. Hunter Biden. Or Mr. Uh, Mr. John Kerry, who's, uh, who's, who's ties into the Hines family. His son, Chris Hines, his stepson, rather. Chris Hines is up to his armpits with with Hunter Biden. The, the, these people run in circles. I mean, it's when you when you start getting into just how deep this corruption goes, it's abso- absolutely sickening. So so that's what's going on with 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 that. They're actually making money off of American sanctions in countries like North Korea, that are some of the most repressive, grotesque places on earth. So anyway, I wanted to bring that up before we get into the election. Let's go ahead and start talking about the election of 2024. Now, the first thing I want to say is we're not going to have one. That's not to say we won't go out and vote. We will absolutely go out and vote. Some people do mail-in ballots, which have, they're all now the rage. You know, I'll actually go out on, 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 on uh, for the primary and for the general election, show up at my polling place and physically cast a vote. That's how my wife and I have always done it. So we'll go out and we'll physically vote. You guys, I'm sure everybody listening to this, hopefully we'll, we'll go out and vote. and we'll, we'll do our part for the dog and pony show, and then we'll come back home and we'll We'll turn on whatever news show we like, and we'll slowly watch the results coming in, as we do every year. Uh, in the meantime, our government is doing everything in its power to predetermine those results. And it's not just our government, people. You have to understand, getting back to what uh, Dr. Brett Weinstein said that I brought up the first part of the show, this isn't the United States anymore. The power structure of the United States, the the Republic of the United States, that power structure has already been brought down. What we are, according to him now, is kind of in a a shadow or or an echo of the United States, where the power structure, the old power structure has been torn down, and uh, we're kind of waiting for the new power structure to emerge. 
and that that new power structure is not going to be an American power structure. The United States government is in negotiations with the rest of the world through the World Health Organization as a part of the United Nations, uh, and they're doing everything that they can to eliminate our civil rights. Uh, They're doing this to the World Health Organization, where uh, the World Health Organization, I'm just going to touch on this briefly, believe me, this is a show of its own. But the World Health Organization uh, is going to be given the power very, very shortly in May of this year to declare anything that it wants to be a health epidemic or a health pandemic and then to step in and take powers over member countries that have signed on to the agreement, the World Health Organization agreement. And uh, that's happening in May. And when that happens in May, they'll be able to stop malinformation, misinformation, disinformation. They'll be able to censor the American public at will. Uh, All kinds of things happen. Uh, And the point here is that our government is willingly giving up its own sovereignty as well as the sovereignty and liberty of the individual people. So uh, we're we're, we're just kind of in a shadow land right now waiting for the new world power to, or for the new power structure of the Western world to emerge. And it's not just the United States. Hundreds of countries, about 200 countries are signing on to uh, onto this new agreement. And, uh, and it seems to me that there are three basic players in this. One is the Western world, which is no longer the world of the Enlightenment. Uh, they're doing everything that they can to bring our society down. And that's that'd be England, Australia, uh, Sweden, I don't know, is entirely on board. Obviously, with COVID-19, uh, they stayed open. But we saw lockdowns everywhere. I mean, if you saw the videos coming out of Australia, that was some really scary stuff. They were, uh, you know, people getting tackled on the beach for running, you know, just just crazy things, locking, crazy stuff. And uh, that was happening all over the Western world, even as we found out just how ineffective masks and lockdowns and all of that were. <laughs> Matter of fact, it turned out that, that this, the virus could not spread outside. Did they say, okay, cool, go outside and have fun? No, they continued to have lockdowns. They continued to keep the economy shut down. They continued to repress the American people. And so it's the entire Western world. We're not, we're not talking about just the United States. And I think that's one side of the equation is the Western world. I think all of the Western powers are kind of working together through, uh, through some organization that, that, that we, we, we can't really say who is calling the shots. Uh, we, we see things like, uh, like the World Economic Forum uh, meeting every, you know, we, we see all of these different groups we see the, all these different meetings and things taking place with all of the important people from the Western world attending, and uh, they're closed. We don't know what they're talking about. We kind of know who's there because you know, people videotape and, and people going in and out and things like that. But the point is that we don't really know what the true power structure is. It has not yet emerged. What we do know is that uh, now, as far back as under Barack Obama's presidency, historians were beginning to say that the United States was in a post-constitutionalist age. And what they meant by that is we're no longer a constitutional republic. We're now something else. So, you know, when you look at Joe Biden, you say, well, this guy can't possibly be running the country. Well, either is Barack Obama. You know, we're, we're being run as a part of something much larger than that, uh, much larger than just the United States. It involves Europe and Australia. It involves Canada. It involves all these countries in the Western world. They're all working together and and, and everything that it's being, it's happening is being centrally coordinated between them, which is very, very clear. You look at COVID-19, it became painfully obvious that there was central coordination going on through the Western world. China is on another side of that entirely, where uh, you know, they're doing their own thing, and, uh, 
No, they'll sign on to an agreement with the World Health Organization, with the United Nations, with the World Trade Federation, all these things. But they don't follow their side of the agreement. They just do whatever the hell they want to do. They'll say, yeah, we'll reduce CO2. And then they go on and build uh, new coal-fired power plants every week. So so they're on a different side. They are not going along with, with, with what the Western world is doing. Uh, and then you have everybody else. And I, I don't even always know who everybody else is. Where is India in this, for example? Well, certainly they're not involved in climate change, at least not in the, the radical changes that are being told have to be done. They're poor. They're now the most populated country on earth. They're very close to it. And, and most of the people in India are, are, by American standards, ridiculously poor. They need energy security. They need cheap and reliable energy. They need to expand the access to cheap and reliable energy to their people so they can't be on board. It's, it goes against all of their interests. So you've got these different groups. You've got you know us and China on the two, on, on the two outside ends, and, and then you've got other companies that may be partially or involved, but, but not entirely. And, and the only thing that's clear is that the United States is not really the United States that we thought it was in the past. And then you look at the impact that our intelligence services can do with all the blackmail information that they got from Jeffrey Epstein. Can they use that to influence the election? Well, we don't know who they have blackmail materials on, do we? We've got some of the names out there. You know, they're going to give us a bone so we can chew on it and, and try to try to to insatiate our our uh, appetite for that for that information. But as soon as the company as soon as our curiosity is, is, is been, has been fulfilled and we start moving on to other things, they're just going to stop giving us information on Epstein altogether. They just throw out enough out there to satisfy our interest, and, and they keep all the really juicy stuff, all the stuff that should be out, all of the information that could actually put people in jail. They keep that for themselves so they could use it to blackmail the right people at the right times. Could any of that be used in the next election? Well, here's a hypothetical for you. Let's say that Donald Trump takes as vice president somebody that the CIA or that the, that the security services have blackmail information on, blackmail materials on. And then let's say that Donald Trump, for whatever reason, is no longer president of the United States and uh, his vice president has to take over. Well, that's a nice peaceful transition to power without actually transitioning anything. Donald Trump might not be in their back pocket, but his vice president could be. So that's one way that it, that it could go. Uh, another way that it could go is uh, that they could... That Donald Trump could surround himself with people that they have, uh, that they have compromising material on, has very likely happened in 2016, and that they could start picking off the people in his inner circle and turning them against him, turning them against his agenda, turning them against his campaign. There are all kinds of ways that blackmail materials like that could be could be used to to play out and affect the election, either directly or or maybe Trump's allowed to win with a compromised vice president, and then something happens where where he steps down for health reasons. Uh, or, or something terrible happens to him, whatever the case may be. Uh, the, the powers that be have made it very clear that they have no interest in a Trump presidency, and, uh, and, and so they're, they're going to have to do something. I, I don't see... Trump is not owned by Wang Jing, by Wang Zhou. He's, he's not a part of that. He's not a part of the Epstein blackmail material because he dropped Epstein as soon as he found out that Epstein was fooling around with underage girls. So, you know... He's, he's not a part of this criminal cabal. That's not to say he's a Boy Scout. Donald Trump obviously is not a Boy Scout. You know, he grew up as a real estate guy in, uh, in New York City in the, in the 70s and 80s. And to do real estate, to do any kind of building projects in New York City in that time period, who did you have to be in business with? Well, the New York Mafia. You couldn't get labor units to do things. You couldn't get materials delivered. You couldn't do anything in terms of building a building in New York without 
paying off the mob without without having business relationships with some very very shady individuals. So of course Donald Trump, of course he is not a Boy Scout. I'm not saying that he is, uh, but he's not a part of that particular cabal. Now you may say Donald Trump's business empire is corrupt. The you think he's broken laws, whatever. I would say that he is at this point the most thoroughly investigated business person in American history, arguably in world history, and uh, so far the allegations that they have against him don't seem to stand up to scrutiny very well. I don't think they have anything on him. I, they're probably going to, you know, they may try to get him for an obstruction charge where they don't have an underlying crime. There, there are all kinds of ways this could play out where he could actually get in some kind of trouble. But you know, what we're seeing is 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 not the application of justice so much as we're seeing the misappropriation of the Department of Justice for criminal, corrupt, and uh, highly politicized purposes. And, you know, Joe Biden actually told us he was going to do that. He said, uh, it's got to be close to a year ago now, that he would use every constitutional means and every constitutional power that the government of the United States has to ensure that Donald Trump would never be president of the United States again. Well, they seem to want him to win the Republican nomination because the same powers that are going against Trump are doing what they can to make sure he's the most powerful, popular guy in the Republican Party. How do they do that? Well, we rally around him every time they have another criminal case against him that we can look at on his face and say, this is garbage. What are you charging him for? You know, the, the insurrection on January 6th, for example, the FBI says there wasn't one. The FBI investigated that under Joe Biden. You know, he was present when they made that investigation. So they reported to his Department of Justice. They looked at all the information. They looked at the data. They interviewed people. And they said, this is a spontaneous uprising. It was a spontaneous riot. It was not an insurrection in any way, shape, or form. Well, as soon as they rule out it being an insurrection, all of a sudden they begin investigating and prosecuting people for the insurrection. Nobody has been tried for an insurrection, by the way. They had a couple of guys from, uh, what was that organization, the Oath Takers, whatever it was, that have been tried for things along those lines. Apparently there may have been some pre-planning of some kind with, uh, with some of those organizations. But we're talking two, three, six people, you know, very small numbers. The vast majority of the people that were involved on January 6th were, were just rioting. Uh, there are indications from the, from the video being released by the House of Representatives, some of whom, incidentally, are not involved in Wang Zhou. That would indicate that the police may have actually helped invite these people in. That it, it almost looked like the police were giving people guided tours through the Capitol. So, again, we start getting into entrapment and things like that. We look at the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case, for example. We know the FBI planned that. They recruited people to do it. They didn't go out and find the best and brightest conservatives. I don't even know if they found conservatives to do that. They found uh, people out in the sticks here in Michigan, and Michigan's got its sticks, people, I'm telling you. There are some parts of Michigan that Jeff Foxworthy did a skit about how Arkansas's got nothing on Michigan. Well, there are parts of Michigan that, that maybe Arkansas's got a lot on, but there are also you know, the parts of Michigan. I'm not going to get into specifics on this. I live in Michigan. But Michigan's got its backwoods, too. So you know, he, they, they found some people that were complete idiots, basically. They involved them in this FBI thing, and then they arrested them, and we know what happened there. So that was an FBI operation that was done uh, for purely nefarious reasons, uh, to, dis to disparage Republicans, to disparage... You know, this is the kind of thing that they're doing. Can you imagine having a Department of Justice that frames people, that entraps people, just to make one of the parties look bad? Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what happened there, and... 
at least some of that seems to have happened on January 6th. Joe Biden now is making January 6th the centerpiece of his campaign. We have to stop Trump because he is attacking our democracy. We have to use... We have to use the Department of Justice. We have to use the intelligence services. The intelligence services, by the way, former intelligence agents are saying that the intelligence services are going to be fully utilized, that they are deeply involved in the 2024 election, far more so than they were in 2020. Excuse me, the 2024 election, far more so than they were in 2020. Of course, we all remember what the intelligence services did in 2020. At a minimum, they took the Hunter Biden laptop story which, according to exit polling, had the American people known about Hunter Biden's laptop and, more importantly, about the materials on Hunter Biden's laptop, and not just the sex stuff. Were there naked pictures of Hunter? Yes. Was there video uh, that indicated that Hunter Biden may have been in a sexual relationship with his, I believe she was 12 at the time, his niece? Yes. All of that's on there. Him uh, admitting that another laptop was stolen by Russian drug dealers. He was he was telling a, a prostitute that. Did he get a did he get a a stripper pregnant while he was sleeping with his not physically sleeping with at that moment, but while he was in a sexual relationship with his brother's widow? Yes, all of that true. But that's not what I'm talking about. I don't care about the sex. Well, I do care about the sex stuff. It shows what kind of a sleazy individual he was. And there's some stuff with a father too in terms of his daughter showering with him and writing in her diary that that's what made her uh, sex crazed. Or, you know, this family's done some really crazy things with regard to sex. That's all I'm going to say there. And, and that should be the kind of thing that we would look at and say they are unfit to, to serve. But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the things surrounding Ukraine, surrounding Wang Zhu, surrounding other things related to China, surrounding... Taiwan, surrounding, I'm sorry, uh, Russia, uh, Estonia, all of these different countries where the Biden family was making, by some estimations, you, know, you talked to Peter Schweitzer, the book we talked about last week, billions of dollars. It is not hard to speculate that the Biden family has more money than the Trump family. They just have it overseas in Cyprus and what have you. And, and until they bring it back, we, we, we don't know about it. They don't put it on their taxes. They don't disclose it. And you look at the things that, that Trump campaign members were accused of and in some cases put in prison for in 2020, such as posing as lobbyists for foreign countries and not filing the prerequisite forms. Well, Hunter Biden's been guilty of that. So is, so is Joe Biden's brother. Uh, we're, it's, not, you know, it's their whole family. And, and it's, it's absolutely insane how deep it goes, and, and yet it just continues, and, and there we go. The other thing going on that I think we have to recognize is, uh, you know, all these illegal, illegal immigrants that are coming across, the migrations coming across our border, you know, 3 million people in December alone. They're not just coming across the border and, and staying in Texas. Uh, we've turned the Department of Homeland Security, we've turned Border Security, Border Patrol, we, we, we've turned them into the world's largest uh, travel agency. And they're moving these people. They're flying them all over the country. They're busing and flying, and they're, they're transporting these people all over the country. Well, are they, tra are they are they sending them around the country randomly? We don't really know because the flights are taking place at night. Nobody's telling us where they're going. Nobody's telling us how many. Uh, so, so there aren't really any records that we could look at and say, oh, look, they're going here. Oh, look, they're going there. But if we assume Democrats are smart, then, you know, there are certain places that these people would be very, very useful. 
For example, there are certain areas where they've made it legal, and this is true in Republican states, Democrat states, borderline states, or I should say purple states, that they have that there are local areas that have made it legal for uh, illegal aliens to vote in local elections. Well, when you vote in a local election, do they have separate ballots that are local only, or do they just give you a ballot and say, you know, if you're not a citizen, this is your part, and if you are a citizen, you can vote the whole thing. But they do the latter. They give you a ballot, that, and they don't even tell you. You know, they just say, oh, you're voting, here's a ballot, and the ballot happens to have the local stuff that you can legally, in those areas, vote on, and the illegal stuff uh, that you're not supposed to vote on, like the president, House of Representatives, Senate, what have you, that's on there too. So... These migrants are voting, and they're going to vote in our election. If we see the rate of illegal immigration from December continue, and there's no reason to think we won't, they're going to be 20% of the U.S. population when we have the election. And they're not moving them randomly around the United States. I, I guarantee you, I don't know this for a fact because they're not telling us where they're sending them. They're doing it at night. But I guarantee you that they are targeting certain areas. What areas are they targeting? Well, I'm going to say they're targeting purple states. Not only are they targeting purple states, but they're targeting specifically those parts of purple states where it is legal for illegal aliens to vote in local elections. I'm also going to suggest that they are trying to move these people to Florida, to Texas, to other deep red states, to states that we know or vote Republican consistently. But again, they're trying to focus them in areas where it is legal for illegal aliens to vote in local elections. Well, let me ask you, what happens if 20% of the population is here illegally and voting in local elections and also, because of the way the ballots are written, voting for the president? Ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the things that they are banking on when they say Donald Trump is not going to be president. Large numbers of illegal aliens illegally voting in the general election, not just locally, but nationally as well. Now, the funny thing is that when you look at the Hispanic vote and polling, and of course they don't poll the illegals because they're, they're, they're polling likely voters, and, and while the illegal voters are going to vote, uh, they're not counted as likely voters because it's technically illegal. So, but when they look at the likely voters uh, that, that are Hispanic, Trump's leading in that poll. So the ironic thing here is that the Hispanic vote is going to go Republican in 2024, at least the legal ones. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that Democrats are actually going to get the majority of the illegal vote. Or if they do, maybe not by as wide of a margin as, as they're hoping. But they've got other things that they're doing. You know, when you look at, even if everybody says Republicans have to get involved in vote harvesting too. And okay, fine, we can't. But we're going to go out in farmland and we're, we're, the houses are a half a mile apart. And that's where we're going to do our ballot harvesting, where Democrats can go to the city and go door to door to door to door. You know, you go to an apartment bot complex and just go, go, go through the whole thing. You, know, you might have 100 doors all in one building that you can go to. So who's going to have the better, who is better structured? Understand, Democrats are primarily in our big cities and Republicans are primarily out in the country and in the suburbs. You might think of it this way. We're, we're Democrats, uh, Democrats are the consumer base because they're the ones in the cities where most of the production doesn't take place. A lot of banking there, a lot of retail, but you don't have a lot of factories in the city. Whereas Republicans are the ones that are running the farms and the factories, that are working in the farms and the factories. And so what you have here is you have a conflict between producers and consumers where what the Democrats are doing and have been doing for a long time 
is voting to subsidize consumption and taxing production to pay for it. And there are all kinds of bad things that happen from this, but you have to understand that that this is largely a city versus suburb and country thing in terms of how voting patterns work. They're moving the migrants to the places where they can do, if they vote Democrat, where they can do the most damage. And they're also, the the ground game is better for Democrats where there are the most people, the, the most closely living together. So... Even if we did vote harvesting and all these kinds of crooked things that the Democrats have made legal to do, it doesn't benefit us. It benefits them. And they're going to make full use of that. They've already told us they're going to make full use of that. They are going to court to make it illegal to try to stop them from doing that. The Department of Justice is involved in trying to prevent state governments from enforcing their own election laws when they go against what the Democrats want to do with vote harvesting and ballot stuffing and all these other things. So... Yeah, the rig is on. And just like that, we're out of time. But that's okay. We got through everything I wanted to cover. As always, thanks for tuning in. Please tell others who might be interested in cutting through the chaos to listen in either on Saturday or in Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or on podcast whenever they have time. And we'll see you next week at the same time and place where it will once again be time to get involved and to get loud on America Out Loud.